Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans. So as I said last time I talked to you guys, I was going to make a video Nets reaction after the four-game road trip. The Nets go 2-2 two and two on this road trip. I was hoping for 3-1 and one personally. Well, hoping for 4-0, and oh, but just my realistic expectation was 3-1. and one. They go 2-2, two and two, and it ended tonight with a very disappointing 136-125 loss at the Timberwolves. There's a lot to talk about with that game tonight, but we'll kind of just go over all these games briefly and just talk about what happened So, and some of the recent news and what's going on around the Brooklyn Nets right now. So... A night like this, not much good's going on right now, of course. You know, having lost that game, it's another pretty poorly coached game by Nash, in my opinion, against Minnesota. We had that crazy play where the ref got in the way, and that's kind of got their karma back because in that game versus Washington a couple games ago, David Vanterpool, you know, the assistant ref, assistant coach for the Nets, hits that ball while it's in play, and Nets get the extra possession out of it. But then tonight, uh, Minnesota threw a ball out of bounds. Well, it should have been. Then it hit a ref and stayed in, and it led to a Torian Prince three-pointer of all people. So, you know, the Nets kind of got their karma with that one. But tonight was just annoying because they couldn't stop Carl Anthony Towns. Steve Nash's rotations at the end were garbage, putting and James Johnson over Dayron Sharp having Aldridge not play well the entire night. Um, just the officiating, I hate to blame that. It just didn't feel fair. You know, Minnesota shot like 16 or 18 more free throws in the Nets this, uh, this game. So it's stuff like that was frustrating. But yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So if you guys enjoy this video, leave a like. It would help a lot. And let's get into it. So first off, I just want to talk about how important these road games are with Kevin Durant out. Now, the Nets, of course, are in this unique situation where Kyrie Irving can't play home games. It still makes absolutely no sense to me, but he can't. That's just the way it is right now. So these games, when Kyrie and Harden can play together, it's magnified, and it's more important because now I'm really concerned about these Nets home games coming up because with just James Harden, who's been very inconsistent lately, like the game against the Spurs looked like the vintage James Harden from Houston. Then tonight looked like the most, you know, disinterested, wasn't trying on defense. All he did was go to the rim and, and beg for fouls, wasn't getting them. Bad shooting night once again. It's just, it's not consistent with James Harden. It's frustrating. He has those nights where he looks like the old James Harden, has those nights where he looks like the very much declining James Harden. But anyway, these road games for Brooklyn are so important with Kevin Durant out because now the Nets have to go home and play teams like the Lakers and the Nuggets on back-to-back -back nights. And I know the Lakers are not that great right now, but the Nuggets are a team I very much respect, even without Murray. Um, but playing back-to-back -back at home with just James Harden and all these, you know, quote-unquote role guys, it's, it's going to be a tough ask for this Nets team to win both games for sure but I'm just hoping for one and one like that's basically what my hope is at this point as a Nets fan just to split those games for this mini homestand and then they go back on the road again but these home games with James Harden and and no other superstars is not it's not where I want to be. I'm just kind of preparing for the worst. I don't know what to expect. There's not enough offense, not enough shooting, clearly, without Kyrie Irving on the floor. And you're asking for a whole lot from Patty Mills. And I'm not saying it's impossible for the Nets to win with that team. But just if you get the bad version of James Harden, it's not going to go well at all. It's going to be a very ugly, you know, multiple double-digit point losses and, and things like that. James Harden has to be... You know, scoring 30 plus points pretty efficiently, dishing out 12 to 15 assists and getting his rebounds like that's going to have to happen for the Nets to compete in these games coming up here. And James Harden for a lot of his Houston career, I mean, he did have Dwight Howard, had a Chris Paul, had a Russ, but for the most part, he was that guy in Houston was able to kind of orchestrate everything. That's what he did. But can James Harden do that at 32, 33 years old on the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, not consistently, that's for sure. So that's a concern of mine, how going two and two on this road trip 
was not ideal. I wanted three and one because, you know, coming into tonight, they were the first seed, but everything is so bunched up in the top five, top six. So they'll probably drop now into like three or four at this point. But anyway, it's just these games are so magnified when Kyrie and Harden play together. You have to take advantage of these games. You have to get the wins. I know that Minnesota was favored tonight. They're a very tough matchup for the Nets. They're a team that has length. They're physical, can out-rebound us. Points in the paint were a problem. The turnovers tonight were a problem. So I get why Minnesota was favored. But like the Nets have to find a way to win a game like this. And this was a winnable game. Like Up until that point when the ref hit the ball, um, the Nets were very much in the game. It was a four-point game, I believe. I think it was like 1-0. The score was 102-106 with 9.30 left in the fourth quarter. So let's say the ball does get thrown out of bounds. Obviously, it's a game of momentum. That's kind of how basketball is. And let's say the Timberwolves throw that ball out of bounds. Who knows what would have happened from there on out. You still have nine and a half minutes left, you know, basically an entire quarter. The Nets would have been down four points with the ball. But instead, the ref keeps the ball in and Torian Prince makes it a seven-point game instead of four. So just things like that can change the entire, um, you know, complexity of a game. So those things suck and it is what it is. As I said, the Nets got their karma because it happened in Washington in our favor this time. It hurts us. So um, I think even Sarah Kustak dropped the S word on, on air. I think I heard that. She was like, you've got to be bleeping me so um i never heard her speak like that before but that was pretty interesting even steve nash tonight i must say was very animated on the sideline for the first time in, in forever really like steve nash i guess sometimes has his moments of showing frustration but tonight especially like you can see him kind of just cursing out the refs and i was happy about it at one point i wanted steve nash to get a technical because like things were going so far in minnesota's favor with the officiating where i was like this is kind of ridiculous like someone's got to step up and say something i think uh james harden got a technical at one point for getting in the face of somebody on, on a box out there was kind of some uh, chippiness going on there but you know steve nash i felt like this would have been a perfect night for him to just kind of fire up his team and get a technical but didn't happen of course it's not really who Steve Nash is but would have been a perfect night and I don't want to harp on the officiating of course but just some of the calls that Carl Anthony Towns was getting which is kind of crazy he would go you know to his left side kind of bump a guy fade away and he was getting those type of calls it was like ticky tack you know type calls and I just was not a fan of it, you know what I mean? And then have a guy like James Harden who was clearly getting hit. There was one play, I think, with Kessler Edwards where he, it might have been Dayron Sharp, I forget, but one of the Nets players went for a, a dunk or a layup, clearly got slapped on the wrist. There was no call. It's just, you know, it, it kind of bothered me, of course. So the Nets, of course, coming in this game as underdogs, you can't really have the refs be against you as well. So that, that was a tough pill to swallow there, of course, and... Towards the end of the fourth quarter, it did not go our way. You know, Minnesota started to pull away very easily, and... That was my next point. I wanted to get to Steve Nash and his rotation. So LaMarcus Aldridge, after an awful night, I think Aldridge, I'll just go over his stats real quick. He must have shot terribly in this game. Aldridge shot three for eight in this game, only six points. It's not like terrible, terrible, but it's not a regular LaMarcus Aldridge type night. He just clearly was off in this game. And instead of Steve Nash going from LaMarcus Aldridge to a bigger guy to help kind of just help mitigate Carl Anthony Towns, who's a 6'11", 7-foot, really good scoring big man. The Nets go with James Johnson, who is like 6'8", 6'9", probably, and it obviously was a mismatch from the start. They put Cat in, in the post on the first play against James Johnson, get a foul. I think Cat got fouled the next possession as well. And I'm sitting there saying, like, why the hell is Dayron Sharp not playing? Dayron Sharp was, like, actually the one net that was 
actually having a positive influence on the game tonight. Looking at the plus minuses right now, Dayron Sharp was a plus eight. Everybody else had a minus. You know, Edwards was a minus 10. Mills, minus 18. Irving, minus 12. Harden, minus 14. And you have Dayron Sharp, the one guy who, when he was in there, the team was playing well. And you put James Johnson, who's a, you know, mostly a small forward, power forward throughout his career, over the center in Dayron Sharp. That made no sense to me. Like, Steve Nash kind of just effed us over right there with that coaching decision. And I understand, like, wanting to go small and all that. But, like, Minnesota has a lot more length than the Brooklyn Nets. And for us to just go small and expect that to work against the Carl Anthony Towns, it was a flawed plan. And Cat had a field day in, in the, you know, latter portions of the fourth quarter. So I don't blame the entire loss on Steve Nash. There's a lot of issues with this roster that are out of Steve Nash's control. The Nets clearly only have like two shooters, maybe three. You know, we have Kyrie, who's a spot-up guy when he needs to be. Patty Mills, of course, catch-and-shoot guy. Kessler Edwards, I don't consider James Harden a catch-and-shoot type guy. So there's not many offensive options. Like when you play, when you have to play Bruce Brown and James Johnson and Blake Griffin and who else am I forgetting? Um, DeAndre Bembry, who I thought actually had a pretty good night. But like just shooting-wise, like those type of guys are similar players when it comes to offensive threats and and you know spot-up shooters. It's just defenses don't respect those guys and for good reason like I saw Blake Griffin made a three-pointer tonight but his season percentage is awful obviously Bembry's not respected as a three-point shooter in the NBA um so yeah it's just things like that where I, I can't exactly put all the blame on Steve Nash because yes you don't have a lot of shooters it's hard to generate much offense here but it wasn't just the offense and that's defense was atrocious in a game like this giving up 136 points in regulation Minnesota in this game had 11 steals to hour four they had seven blocks compared to our one block. So that, that's just it right there. I mean, there were so many just careless turnovers, like Kyrie and James Harden combined for nine turnovers in this game. Even LaMarcus Aldridge somehow had four. I don't know how the hell that happened, but... You know, some of James Harden's passes in this game were just inexcusable. Just those lazy bounce passes that were easily going to be intercepted and went, went the other way for easy points. So... They kind of beat themselves tonight. There's a lot of things. It's, you know, Steve Nash's terrible decision to play James Johnson, the officiating, the Nets not taking care of the ball, the Nets having trouble shooting, of course. And, and they put up 125. It wasn't like the worst offensive game, but you can tell the spacing on the floor is not there right now. And, and for James Harden, a guy who greatly benefits from spacing on the floor, having shooters around him, that's how Houston built their team, having guys like Eric Gordon and those type of guys, Gerald Green when he could shoot around him, even um, Austin Rivers, guys like that put those guys around James Harden to open up the floor. I forgot Trevor Ariza. Um, you, you get what I mean. So putting shooters around James Harden, stretching the floor out, making it easier for a guy like Harden to get past his guy and get you know an uncontested layup, that can't happen on this team right now because who the hell respects Blake Griffin's jump shot? Who respects Bembry's jump shot? James Johnson. It just wasn't possible with a lineup like this. So when James Harden went to his left, tried to drive to the basket, a lot of times he had to push off. And a lot of times when he did push off, the defender would just grab the ball and run out of bounds with it and it would just be the Nets ball under the basket so you know James Harden did not have much success driving to the basket in this game and that's kind of how it's been for some of these games because of the lack of spacing and I do hope when Joe Harris comes back when Kevin Durant comes back those problems will be solved but as Nets fans, we don't get anything nice, of course, and those guys can't play together. It seems like every time someone comes back, just two or three games later, someone's out. So, you know, it just it's always seems like something goes wrong with this team, and it's just very frustrating. That's pretty much all I can say. And while we're kind of on the topic of Dayron Sharp, I must say, I, I love what I've seen this year from him. I said in my last video, I literally had zero expectations for Dayron Sharp to have a significant role on this, on this team this year, so my expectations were very low. But... 
With Dayron Sharp, I have been very impressed. There's things I really like about the guy. His rebounding, boxing out is very good. Uh, contesting shots sometimes, but what I must get to is the fouling he does. He fouls way too much, and I do think it's something mental. Like He'll figure it out eventually. I just think maybe in college they, they call things differently, so... There's just an adjustment period right now for Dayron Sharp. Even LaMarcus Aldridge kind of uh, made a joke about how much he fouls in a, a, in a post game. I think, after that. I think it was after the Wizards game, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, it's just Dayron Sharp, he has times where he's in there for like six or seven minutes and has like three or four fouls. And you're like, you just can't have that. So, a guy like Dayron, when he's in there, he makes a positive impact. We know that he could finish at the basket, contest shots, rebound very well. Uh, pass the ball very well for a big man. He helps his team a lot. But when you're in there and you're fouling at an uncontrollable level, it's just you can't play that man 30, 30, 35 minutes a game because he's just fouling way too much. And I, I do think it can be fixed. I think a lot of his problem is he kind of checks guys with his hip. Like, I do think he he understands the verticality of being straight up. But a lot of times when a guy's going for a layup, he'll just kind of hip check him. He did that to Carl Anthony Towns on an ad one early in this game. Um, just things like that. Like, just not using his body correctly. He understands the verticality, De'Ron Sharp, but it's just using that body is like, that's where he gets in trouble. So I, I do think that will be coached out of him. But unfortunately, right now, he's just not playable for an entire game because of the foul trouble. So I do think in a situation like tonight's game where LaMarcus Aldridge is the one who fouls out and you have nine or six or seven minutes left in the fourth quarter and you are playing against the Carl Anthony Towns, a very talented big man scorer, that should have been the opportunity for De'Ron Sharp to go in there. But Steve Nash had other ideas going with James Johnson. So I still don't understand the thinking behind that one, but it was pretty frustrating, of course. Now, I haven't talked about Kyrie Irving much as an individual, and I must say I'm super impressed. He, he stole that same ridiculously talented player that can get to any spot he wants to. His transition finishes are, are unbelievable. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving is mesmerizing to watch as a basketball player. And it, it's just a shame that he's basically taken away from us from, from home games, which I still think is the dumbest thing ever. Like how do how do unvaccinated away players play at Barclays, but the guy on the home team can't play? It's just a double standard. It makes no sense to me, but I don't want this to get political and all that crap, but it's just, it seems very unfair, I must say. So but with Kyrie, when he's out there, the Nets are just such a different team. Like, it helps them so much. You're not relying on James Harden to dribble the ball 95% of the time. You could put the ball in Kyrie Irving's hands on the wing. He can get by his guy and dump off a nice pass, which he did a few times tonight. Um, you know, he can pull up anywhere, basically, and knock down a shot. I mean, Kyrie has been so great at some points. Like, he, in that game... I think against Washington, I think it was. Maybe, no, it was a Spurs game. I'm sorry. In the fourth quarter in the Spurs game when they won 117-102 on the road in San Antonio a few nights ago, um, Kyrie Irving was on a tear in the fourth quarter. Even in the Cleveland game, his return back to Cleveland, not the first time, but one of his returns back to Cleveland. Um, that was a tough loss, of course, for the Nets last Monday afternoon, uh, Martin Luther King Day. But, you know, Kyrie in that game was just awesome in the third quarter, even uh, early fourth quarter. Like Kyrie was just going off and putting the nets on his back. And that Cleveland game, it still irks me. That's a game they, they probably should have won. Obviously, Garland's a great player. You know, the big men were hurting us as you know expected. But that game, the way it ended, how James Harden threw that bounce pass in the backcourt and it went out of bounds. Um, the nets kind of beat themselves in that situation right there. So, you know, this team has its flaws. It's definitely, you know, the Nets looking at most betting sites are the favorites to win the NBA Finals, which is great news. But as a Nets fan, I don't expect to win the Finals. It's, it's a bad feeling.
feeling because I just know something's going to go wrong here. And hopefully I can play that clip back and make an ass out of myself. But just something always goes wrong with this Nets team. They were favorites by a mile to win the championship last year. Two out of three guys get hurt. You know, the big three gets hurt. Um, so I just, I can't expect things to go perfectly. Joe Harris's rehab has gone you know, it's like the Nets are such a mystery when it comes to their injuries. The Nets don't really reveal too much with injuries, but every time they ask about Joe Harris, it's like, oh, he's progressing nicely. And then a week later, it's like, oh, there's a bit of an irritation, a bit of a setback. We'll see. Like, I don't know when Joe Harris is coming back at this point. Obviously, I miss Joe. I think he's actually a very vital part of this team. We've realized this now because Joe Harris, we always, you know, he never missed games really in the past. He might have had one instance where he turned an ankle a couple years ago and missed some games. But this is like the longest stretch that Joe Harris has been out for that I can remember since he's been on this team for the last five years or so. So with Joe being out, we now get to see what what do the Brooklyn Nets look like without Joe Harris? And it's not a version of the Nets that I like seeing. It's an offense that doesn't have the spacing, doesn't have one of the best three-point shooters on the floor. And Joe Harris can put the ball on the floor and, and kind of set up for others or finish at the rim. Like Joe Harris does a lot for this team. And it's just a shame that we can't see him on the floor. And obviously Kevin Durant's going to be out. So I would assume until early March, we'll see, of course, but I don't expect them to rush him back. The playoffs start in late April most times. It's probably when it starts this year, I'm sure. So they're not going to rush him back. But I am concerned going forward. I must say, like, I don't think the Nets are in jeopardy of missing the playoffs. I'm not going to go that far. But like, in terms of being like top half of the East, I have my questions. Like looking at the standings right now, the Nets are in second place by half a game behind Miami, who just beat um, the Lakers tonight, actually. But there is basically like the six seed uh, Sixers right now are only a game and a half behind the two games behind us. Are they're two games behind us? So like, if we slip up without Kevin Durant and Joe Harris, it's like. We're going to be in, like, the 6th or 7th scene very soon. Like, I don't see us getting below, like, the Boston Celtics level or even, like, maybe even the Hornets. But, like, there will come a point this year, I feel like, where the Nets might slip up a bit with, you know, Kyrie Irving not playing home games and James Harden being alone for home games. There may come a point where the Nets lose, like, 4 out of 5 games or something and we have to kind of just you know, accept the fact that we don't have the firepower right now to compete with some of these better teams in this Eastern Conference that is now good somehow. It's It's been the Western Conference. Like, in my entire basketball fandom life, the Western Conference is always ruled, but now, of course, the Eastern Conference is very good. So, you know, I don't see us falling that low in the standings, but I could see a world where the Brooklyn Nets are maybe the six or seven seed in, like, three or four weeks. Like, it's possible. I don't want it to be the case, but things are so bunched up right now at the top, and a team like Miami, I don't think has major injuries. I know the Bulls had a scare with Zach Levine, but he's fine, I believe. Um, the Bucks, of course, are pretty healthy right now. The Cavs are looking good. Sixers, you know, Joel Embiid's playing like an MVP or the MVP right now. So, you know, they're in good spots. And us, you know, we're kind of just like out here running on fumes and just <laughs> looking for anybody to come off the bench or looking for one of our 20 or 19-year-old rookies to help us win games. And it's just... It's crazy. So, so the Nets are just in not an ideal spot right now. And if we do drop to the six or seven seed, it's not going to shock me. We're still going to make the playoffs. I get that, of course. But that funny question comes up as Brooklyn Nets fans is, do we almost benefit from playing on the road first? Like if the Nets are below a, a five seed or below, they're going to play uh, road games in the playoffs the first two games. And they're going to have four road games and three home games because that's, of course, the advantage that the home team gets in the playoffs. They get one more home game if it goes to a game seven. So if the Nets are the road team in the playoffs, the first two games will be on the road and Kyrie Irving can play in those games unless they play like the Knicks or the Raptors, I believe, which Kyrie cannot play in those um, areas. So, you know, maybe it is a good thing for the Brooklyn Nets to 
be below a five seed. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I'm not counting on that being the case, but I am, you know, aware that this team may struggle in the near future, especially if James Harden is not playing at a high level. So that's the unfortunate reality. I'm not expecting to, you know, miss the playoffs. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen. I doubt that, but. I could see a world where the Nets kind of fall a bit in the standings because these teams that are below us and right on our tail are a lot more healthy right now and are in a much better spot as well. So that's pretty much all I got for the uh, Timberwolves game tonight. I mean, you know, the officiating was kind of sus, not going to lie. And uh, But the Nets did beat themselves in a lot of areas, just their stupid turnovers from James Harden and... Um, just being careless with the basketball at some points, you know, the lack of communication on defense and, and making things way too easy for certain guys. D'Angelo Russell had a nice game. Even Torian Prince made his shots. And Carl Anthony Towns had his way in the fourth quarter. So it happens. You know, the Nets were, once again, underdogs for a reason. I get that, of course. So um, we'll go over some of the future schedule here. So the Nets have a quick two-game homestand on Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesdays, the Lakers, who I mentioned are kind of struggling right now. And you have the Nuggets on Wednesday. So... My hope is that we split those games. You know, I don't expect to go 2-0. It'd be great, but I just don't see that being the case right now. I don't expect to beat Denver on the second half of a back-to-back. I mean, maybe something crazy happens there, but I'm just not looking like... It's not looking like the most likely outcome, I'll put it that way. So, we have that. Then we start another road trip. So, this time we're out west. So, I think it's a five-game home... Or a five-game road trip, sorry. So, next Saturday, it's at the Warriors. Then it's at the Suns, at the Kings, at the Jazz, at the Nuggets. So, they will get five games on the road here. So, next five out of seven games are on on the road. Kyrie Irving can play in those games. So my problem is though, can the Nets survive in these next two games where it's, you know, home games and just James Harden and no Durant, no Kyrie, no Joe Harris. Like that's a concern I have, of course. Maybe Nick Claxton comes back by that point. It seems like he's getting closer to returning with the hamstring issue, but we'll see, of course. But it's not like Nick Claxton's going to fill the shoes of a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, so it's not going to help that much. But we'll see. I mean, I'm a little concerned, of course, about this team and the state they're currently at. I do hope that by April, things are in place. Guys are back healthy. We're playing at a very high level. We'll see the big three. Obviously, Kyrie Irving and the whole vaccination thing around New York is a big uh, dark cloud over this franchise right now. But just if we get Durant back, Harris back, still have Harden, I, I think we'll be in a pretty good spot, even if we have Kyrie just for road games. It's better than nothing. So that'll pretty much do it. As I record this, the Nets are in second place. So that's fine, but once again, I just don't know how much longer we can hold on to that with a tough schedule coming up here with some tough Western Conference opponents, so we'll find out, though. I think next time I'll talk to you guys, I'll try to do a video after the Nuggets game because I feel like a lot can happen in these next two games, and there's like a three-day layoff from Thursday, from Wednesday to Saturday, so I'll probably make a video on like Thursday night maybe. Maybe if they win the Nuggets game, I'll do a reaction Wednesday night, but probably Thursday night, count on my next uh, Nets video being, so I'll talk to you guys then. Hope you guys enjoyed this video and I will talk to you guys next time.